This is On and Off Your Mat podcast episode 106, Overcoming Codependency, Perfectionism, and People-Pleasing. Do you tend to be codependent in your relationships? Or maybe you're a perfectionist at work or a people-pleaser amongst your friends. You might have noticed that these patterns affect your health and your well-being. In today's episode, we're talking about this and we're giving you some tools and somatic practices to start addressing it. So for today's episode, I sat down with Victoria Albina. Victoria is a certified life coach, UCSF-trained family nurse practitioner. She's a breathwork and meditation guide with a passion for helping women realize that they are their own best healers. And with that, they can break free from codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing, and they can reclaim their joy, hence her subject of today. She is also the host of the Feminist Wellness Podcast and holds a master's degree in public health from Boston University School of Public Health. Before we get to today's episode, I just want to remind you of a few things. When you listen, take a screenshot of you listening and add a takeaway. Share it with me, tagging at on and off your mat podcast on Instagram in a story or something like that. So you can make sure I see it, but so I can reshare it with the community. This way we can learn from each other as we read each other's takeaway. We can go deeper into the content of each episode and we can grow as a community. Number two, we have two spots left only on our November Mexico yoga retreat. So email me at erica.belanger at gmail.com if you want to reserve your spot before it's too late. In parallel for that, I had launched a GoFundMe campaign to help people that cannot afford to come on yoga retreats. So the scholarship applications are now closed, but I'm still raising money to make yoga retreat more accessible for all. So if you'd like to support me in this, if you'd like to help people come onto a yoga retreat and have this transformational experience that couldn't afford it otherwise, come and donate today. You'll find a GoFundMe link in the show notes. Lastly, we have a premium membership here on the podcast. So for as low as $5 a month, you can become a premium member and get access to all our exclusive content. You'll find a link in the show notes as well for this. All right, that's it. Let's get to our episode of today with Victoria. Hi, Victoria. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yay. So can you start us off for listeners that don't know you very well by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name is Victoria Albina. I use she, her pronouns. I live on occupied Muncie Lenape territory in the Hudson Valley of New York state. By training, I am a holistic and functional medicine nurse practitioner uh, and a breathwork meditation facilitator. And I work as a life coach my passion is to support humans socialized as women, to reconnect with our joy, with our passion by dropping the exhausting habits of codependent, perfectionist, and people-pleasing thinking that keep us believing that we are not worthy of love and care and nothing could be further from the truth. Mm. That's going to be a good one today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. So... There's many things we'll come back to in that amazing intro you just started us with, but I know you use healing modalities, although you are trained as a nurse practitioner, you also use healing modalities and somatic therapy like yoga, ecstatic dance, and breath work. Why did you add that to your arsenal of tools to help people? Why are you interested in these modalities? Where does that come from for you? 
Yeah. So I come to this work like so many of us because I was very sick myself. So I had digestive issues, intermittent depression and anxiety my my whole life up until my 30s when I took my my power back and I took my health and my wellness into my own hands. And so in dealing with chronic digestive issues, um, I had, you know, the wastebasket diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome, which is like just massive we don't know trauma. <laughs> well, right. They don't know what's wrong. We do. <laughs> um, I also had a parasite. So like, I just want to honor that that's legit, right? Like there's yeah. complexity, right? It's not just our mindset. It's not just um, our thoughts and it's, it's sometimes a bug, you know, that's also very real. And um, my nervous system didn't know how to, I didn't know how to regulate my nervous system and we can dive into the nervous system in great detail if you'd like. Yeah. I always like, um, and I know that what I needed was the right tests, the right supplements, right? The right nutrition. And I needed so much more to truly get well and stay well. I needed to learn how to manage my mind. I didn't know how to do that. I needed to learn how to live in my authenticity. I needed to learn how to not be scared to be my fully weird self mm. and to show up in the world and say, world, here I am. If you're into it, cool. Yeah. And if you're not cool, right? Like Take that was it. seriously though, like that was so scary because I wasn't standing in my power and my worth, mm -hmm. not in a real way. Yeah. And so that kept physiologically kept my vagus nerve jacked, kept my nervous system dysregulated and, and kept me, kept my heart closed. In a lot of ways, I'm a very loving animal, right? I'm a, I'm a generous, gregarious Leo. Um, and I was loving up on everyone else in the world, but I didn't know how to love up on me. And so modalities like somatics helped me to get into my body. I was living, and so many of my clients feel the same way. I was living from the neck up right? It's a double-edged sword of being wicked smart, right? Like I could overthink any problem instead of feeling into the solution, feeling into the need, feeling the feelings, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And so I was stuck in these chronic tension patterns in my body and these chronic thoughts in my mind that somatics, dance, breath work, movement have helped me to, to loosen up, right? To like shake, and shake up those tension patterns so that I could create new stories, right? We understand that approximately 20% of our lived experience as humans is our thoughts, mm -hmm. but only 20%, the other 80% is bottom up, right? It's from our physical human body feeding the biofeedback into our minds. And so we need to attend to the whole of us, right? We need to attend to ourselves holistically if we're to make lasting, sustainable change. And so that's why I bring all of those modalities into my work because my clients need it and they deserve it. Mm -hmm. And it was so helpful for you, obviously. Wildly. Yeah. And it still is. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. It's is. not like it's done and you're good to go. Oh it's gosh. a practice right. that we repeat and we make it part of our lives. Yeah. And healing isn't linear, right? So from codependent thinking, we, we don't know how to source safety internally, right? We're always looking to someone else to tell us we're worthy of love. We're valid. We're a good girl. We're meeting societal norms and expectations, right? We, we live into the conditioning, socialization, and survival skills that are part and parcel of growing up in, in the 
our, our cultures, right. In this like writ large Western cultures uh, today, right. Mm-hmm. In, in white settler colonialism and late stage capitalism. And so we lose that connection with our own internal locus of control. So we seek to control everyone and everything in our life because we think that will make us feel safe. Yeah. And so we adopt that black and white, all or nothing, good or bad thinking. Right. And breathwork lives in the middle. Somatics live in the middle. It, it helps us to know and believe in gray. Mm-hmm. And from there, we can understand that, yeah, healing isn't linear. You're going to have a great day and then you're going to have a really challenging day. Yeah. But when you have the skills to have your own back, whew. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not only do you feel empowered to take action for yourself, but also to control at the minimum, you can control that breath. You can control your like body reaction, your physiology, right? We right. have control over some of these things that can directly impact how we feel, how we think, how we interact with the people around us instead of trying to control them. Because that's, right. that's a path that doesn't usually work very well. Right, right. Not, not for long. Yeah. <laughs> and we can even from there drop the whole notion of trying to control any part of ourselves and can step into deeper acceptance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about this presentation. My heart's racing. Yeah. My breath is getting a little shallow. Oh, that's sympathetic activation. That's fight or flight. Oh, okay. I don't need to control this. I can just show up mm-hmm. with acceptance and love for it. Mm-hmm. And even eventually, and this can sound wild at the beginning of our journey, but eventually appreciation mm-hmm. and love and care and like gratitude, like, oh, wow, my body loves me so much that it's starting to go into fight or flight. Like how loving. Mm. And like for those, how you much know, does it want list- to protect me? Right. Exactly. How much does my body want to protect me? That is so beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have inner protection. I don't need to be scared of the world. My body's got my back. Yeah. And I've, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful place to be in and yeah. to be able to con- at least consider that, you know, sometimes right. it takes times before we can fully embody what that means and truly be grateful about these sure. things. You know, it's a journey. And when I say control, I don't mean like you want to shut it down and do different, but just know that if you feel stuck in that, you know, place of your body trying to help you or your mind taking over and you being overthinking from the mind down your situation, then you know that you have tools and you have ways to unstuck yourself. Yes. Not to fix yourself, but to unstuck yourself. Yeah. 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 I love, thank you for that clarification. It's so, it's so helpful. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the way you said that. Yeah. I think it's important for people to hear it. You know, we're not coming at this with the idea that here are tools because you're broken and you need fixing. Here are tools. So you feel empowered that you know how from inside out to feel better when you feel stuck or when you feel like you need to create a shift. Right. And the shift can go either way. You might be feeling sluggish and you want to create a shift where you're going to feel energized and empowered you know, powerful. It doesn't mean necessarily that you need to relax all the time or you need to, Right. it can go so many different ways, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So coming back to some of the things you said in the beginning, and there was one thing you precise on how like, yes, you had gut issues and yes, you had, you know, tests revealed that there was parasites and there is stuff that 
medically can go wrong with our gut, but it's so interestingly connected with our brain that sometimes some things can come from the mental side of, you know, the way we perceive our stress or our world or our life. And I wanted to ask you, how can things like being codependent or a perfectionist or a people pleaser affect our health, whether it's gut or other aspects of it? Yeah, absolutely. So this is where I will uh, dive into the neuroscience, if you don't mind. So I'll back up and give like a quick primer of polyvagal theory. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. everyone put on your safety glasses and your uh, pocket protectors because we're about to nerd so hard. Yay. So Yay! Polyvagal mm. theory mm-hmm. is the work of Dr. Stephen Porges, PhD. His work is very academic, and Deb Dana is a social worker who puts it into English. So if you're like, oh, I want to dive in, do what you want to because you're an adult, but I'd highly recommend starting with Deb Dana because she's she's dope, right? She's a, she's a <laughs> oh, social worker. Hilarious. Come yeah. on, right? Mm-hmm. So she Englishes it for us in really beautiful ways. Um, so polyvagal many vaguses. So the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve, the longest nerve in the human body. And it comes out of the brainstem and runs through the middle of the animal. And it enervates or gives nerve function to pretty much the whole of us, right? Mm -hmm. Including arms and legs a little bit, but that's secondary. So it controls thyroid function, heart, lungs, diaphragm, digestion, reproductive function, pretty much. Elimination. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Digestive um, absorption, adsorption, um, metabolism, catabolism, excretion. Yeah. All the things. (laughs) Um, It's pretty much the boss. Right. And what happens with stress, distress and trauma is we get dysregulation in our nervous system. So the way the nervous system works, the autonomic nervous system, we have these three parts of the vagus complex, sympathetic activation, which is fight flight, freak out. That is, I see a lion on the horizon and it's coming to eat me and the entire village. Run, Mm -hmm. run. That presents as anxiety, as um, fidgeting, as having all this movement potential that we just kind of want to let out. And then our heart rate starts speeding up and then our breath gets a little shallow and wait, what? And we get a little sweaty and a little tense muscularly, right? We're getting ready to, we're getting ready to fight. We're getting ready to run. Right. And we have tension in our bodies. Make note of the tension part because that's what we're going to come back to specifically around the gut. Next, we have parasympathetic, which we now know from Porges's work has two sides. One, ventral vagal. So ventral means the front body. And I think the front body, because it's safe and social, it's looking out into the world and seeing another mammal who's smiling, who's sincere, Right. We feel that deep desire for social connection mm-hmm. in ventral vagal. And from ventral vagal, we are capable of social connection, of smiling at the bus driver and like hugging someone and really feeling that deep grounded calm in our bodies. The next part of the parasympathetic is the freeze response. Deer in the headlights, playing possum. That is the dorsal vagus back body. And so I think door dorsal, the door of the cave. When you've tried everything else and nothing works, you put your back against the door of the cave and crouch down really small and try to look dead so the monsters don't eat you. Mm-hmm. As humans, what we're, where we're always going to go is ventral vagal to be safe and social and connected first. If that doesn't work, we will fight or flight. If that doesn't work, we will dorsal. 
In ventral vagal is when thyroid, heart, lungs, diaphragm, digestion, reproductive function, mental wellness, right? Are all the neurotransmitters of mental wellness, our cognitive function, those all work optimally in ventral vagal, which is not to say being in sympathetic, like having sympathetic activation or dorsal collapse, they're not bad, they're not wrong. You're not wrong or bad if these are frequent in your life. It's just important to know that you cannot eat a cheeseburger, <laughs> break it down, take the nutrients out, right? Metabolize, uh, catabolize, right? Do all the things we need to do and excrete it in a healthy way mm-hmm. when you are not in ventral vagal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're eating in a rush and you're getting heartburn, that makes science. Right. Like that just makes science. It makes science. Right. And if you're living in chronic stress, distress, and trauma, if you're ramped up in this codependent way of thinking of everyone else's opinion about me matters so much more than my own, I need them to validate me. Right. I need him to want a second date. I need her to tell me I'm pretty. I need Mm. them to say I did a good job or I can't believe it. We are in sympathetic and dorsal in those relationships, in those moments with ourselves as much as with others, mm-hmm. instead of being in ventral vagal where our bodies work optimally. So when I say regulated, I mean that we have the capacity to recognize when we are going uh, away from ventral vagal in either direction and can regulate or bring ourselves back to ventral vagal. Dysregulated is when we go into one of those states, activated or shut down, and and we live stay there, there for a little too long. Yeah, a little, little, little longer than is like, you know, I'm a big fan of discomfort for growth, but like staying activated and anxiety all the time, like that's yeah. just. Mm-hmm. I'll just be frank. It having had panic attacks on the number six train, like that's sucks. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I do recommend the queue for panic attacks for all my New Yorkers. What? It's a clean train. It's nice. Oh, that's that's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so that is the sort of high, you know, um, thirty thousand mile high view of how our physiology is so deeply impacted by the stories we tell about our lives, about our perception of life. Yeah. 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 Um, In addition, of course, to structural inequalities, uh, systems of oppression and how we are actually shunted. Many of us are actually shunted into fight or flight for necessity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, we actually have the need to protect ourselves. Yeah. Literally. Literally. It's not just a perception. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. But what happens is, you know, like anything else, have you ever been like driving to the supermarket, but you end up going to like the yoga studio you always go to. Right. And you're bought like just something in you, you go into autopilot and you sort of zone out and you Mm. go to a, a place that's not the place you actually wanted to go to. And that's what happens with this nervous system patterning and the neural grooves that get created Because neuroplasticity is the magical science of understanding that we can change our brains. We can change our minds, which is so amazing. We can think new thoughts, but we need the tools to know how. And until we have those tools, we'll keep doing the same old thing because it hasn't killed us yet. And that's the framework that our nervous system and our bodies, our psyche, our inner children are using. I don't want to create change because what I'm doing has not murdered me yet. That's why so many of us need a rock bottom to really make a big change. Because staying and rock bottom, you know, 
air quote, yes. whatever that looks sure. like for you. You're right. Um, but we need the change to feel less painful or the fear of the change to feel less painful than the pain we're actually in right now. Makes sense. And for Makes a lot sense. of people, change is super scary and it feels of super painful. Course. <laughs> yeah. And like biologically, like, right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Breaking Don't that momentum. Eat. Totally. Like, don't eat a new kind of berry in the forest. Like, what are you doing? How do you know it will not be the end of you? And remember, biological imperative, we must procreate, replenish the planet and, you know, the and to species. That, to do that, we must survive. Yes. Step number one. So mm. let's say we're having some somatic <laughs> manifestation of yeah. these patterns of codependency or perfectionism or people pleaser. How does that show up? How can we mm. kind of start to see the dots and, you know, link them? Yeah. So the somatic manifestation, well, tension patterns, they really will bring us back to that. So bringing awareness to different conversations in your life, whether you're actually having them with the humans in your life or just in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. Notice, notice your body. Notice, are your shoulders up mm. by your ears? Is mm -hmm. your jaw really tightly clenched? Tension, you... posture. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and I want to, of course, note that this conversation about somatic, particularly when we start bringing in posture, which I was about to, can start getting real ableist real fast. So like, we're, I'm not talking about like some perfect norm mm -hmm. of how a body should look, but rather Your look for, yeah, exactly. You keep reading my mind and I love it. It, it really is making me so happy. So yeah. Your own baseline, your own norm is the only one that matters. So starting from you on the couch watching, you know, Will and Grace, right? Like whatever your chill thing is, whatever you're like, I feel present-ish. I feel calm enough. From there, oof, I, I need to ask her to like pay me back for dinner last week. And then all of a sudden your shoulders are up. I need to talk to him about like the sex we're not having. And all of a sudden your belly is full of butterflies, mm -hmm. right? Or like you really have to poop it. I mean, now. So just starting to see the way your thoughts mm -hmm. are, are actually resonance in your physiology. So the sensations, so tingly, light, dark, um, hot, tense, relaxed, and the emotion words. Right. So this is, a you know, as you start doing this work, I often used to say that there were topics that made me feel shy. I am the most gregarious extroverted Leo. I was going to say, are you shy? <laughs> no, girl, not for like a actual New York millisecond. Right. Like my Venus is in Leo. My Mercury is in Leo. Like I am out here to shine and to tell you all about it. But I realized that my brain was telling the story shy because it was more palatable and made me less uncomfortable than saying that sensation in my body, that's vulnerability. Mm, mm -mm. Whoa. And it was in breath work one day, 15 years ago that I, it came to me like, that's a cover up job. Cool. No need to judge it. Mm -hmm. But like, let's get present to it. Let's start to see what the sensations are, the emotions connected and the narrative that led to it and comes from it. And we do this with, with expressive journaling, right? With 
not just the journaling that like, I think most of us did as eight-year-olds, right? Like today in math class, Mrs. Buchanan asked us to do fractions. Fractions are so hard. Mm, I don't even know what you do in eighth grade. I think that's like third grade, but whatever. So not that kind of journaling though, like do that if that pleases you, but expressive journaling. And of you know, I have a master's degree in public health. I'm a wicked nerd. The evidence base shows that there's significant reductions in depression and anxiety when this is part of a part of a treatment plan, right? It's not like journaling is going to save you from, you know, the depths of the pits of despair, but it is an important component of really showing up for your mind and starting to see your chronic thoughts and the chronic sensations that come from it. So awareness is that first step. And then an action step is starting to really write it out. And I mean, pen to paper, (laughs) you know, like, listen, if you need to do it on your phone, because that's, you're a busy parent or you're commuting a lot and that's what's available. Great. Done is better than like, quote unquote, perfect. But pen to paper, that kinesthetic, that somatic experience. It's so good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Any tips for people that have tried journaling, but have felt that it just spiral them into the negative more like by describing what they're struggling with the emotions that are Mm. coming up that by talking about that tension they feel like they're getting even more sucked in so how do we do expressive journaling um in a way that helps us yeah so if you know this is you if you you just heard that and you were like it me learning how to ground and orient and bookending the journaling with that and perhaps setting an alarm to like do it four minutes in and then nine minutes in. Right. And like mm. really making it. So on my website at victoriaalbina.com, right at the top of the page, you can download a set of meditations that also includes a grounding practice and an orienting practice. So orienting is a nervous system skill uh, in which we do not go inside our bodies. So often in yoga in meditation and breath work, the indication, um, God, two ESL kids. What do I mean? What the the instruction? <laughs> oh, funny. Anyway, uh, the instruction indication that was in English, right? That was like <laughs> not English. Anyway, um, I mean it's an English word, but it it was not. But the, it's not like the, the correct. The <laughs> Brains are funny. I hear you. Yeah. I'm yeah, a I know ESL too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I meant, right? The two of us. So bien. So. Um, the instruction is so often to go inside to body scan. And I love a body scan for those for whom that is the right tool. Yeah. So if you are feeling a lot of activation or right, if you're going into that doom spiral, like you talked about that catastrophizing spiral, or if you tend to like totally check out, right? So I was talking with a a client yesterday in my six month program and she was talking about her anxiety and she's like, yeah, sometimes at work, I just get like really anxious and, um, wait, what? And I was like, oh, okay. Everything's fine, babe. You just totally went into dorsal shutdown, like Mm -hmm. like that. She's Mm -hmm. like, wait, no, actually what, what were we talking about? Mm. Oh, okay. Totally. Like all good. Like, no, there's no problem here. We just notice it and then resource ourselves to come back, right? Mm -hmm. So orienting is a really useful skill. So that is, this can be used both in an an activation, in sympathetic and in dorsal in a freeze to start to regulate ourselves, resource our nervous systems back towards ventral vagal if that's what we want to do. 
uh, side note, sometimes it's really helpful to like spin in, in what's happening when we're resourced enough to know we can bring ourselves back. So, but, but before that, like (laughs) several, you know, a lot of practice before that is the work of, um, orienting to location instead of going inside. And so that means looking around your room and deciding, I'm going to count the blue things. One, Mm -hmm. two, three, four, five blue things. I'm going to count the square things. One, two, right? I'm going to notice the texture of my shirt. I'm going to pet my own hand and feel my skin, right? So we're keeping the um, mindfulness external to ourselves uh, because it can allow us to get back into ventral vagal without getting further activated. Especially if you can, I assume, focus on something that let's say blue is your, is a color you like, right? You're like, yeah. Right. So focusing on the things that are in your environment that for some reason bring joy or pleasure or are seen as beauty for you, right? That would also help that ventral vagal um, activation or toning. Yeah. Because it's not just blue, but it's like, ooh, there's a reason why I have so much blue in this room, right? Like I like the blue. So it it automatically also adds that extra layer of... Yeah. Well, so what you just pointed to, and thank you for doing that, is glimmers. So we all know what a trigger is, right? Like we all live here. We're on the Instagram. We hear way too much about triggers that are sometimes, I'm like, I don't know that that was actually a trigger. But anyway, glimmers. So glimmers are the opposite of triggers. And I want to um, uh, hat tip to Deb Dana, who uh, popularized this world, this word in my nerd world. So glimmers are the thing that bring you back to ventral vagal. So uh, in my six-month program, one of the things we do is we create, between all of us, a playlist of Glimmer songs. Mm. Right? And not that all of That makes me happy are, just to know it it's exists It's so out nice. There. I know. And it runs the gamut from like, oh my gosh, uh, there's a Maori woman in the current group who like brought Maori music into it. Um, mm. There's definitely Pearl Jam and like Metallica. And there's like classical and there's jazz and they're like throat singing like it's it's just whatever is a glimmer for you mm-hmm. um and for those of you with the the advanced subscription who are watching like I'm wearing blue so it's interesting that when my brain went to something orienting I know you picked this up Erica right my brain immediately went to that glimmer for me which is this color that I love so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. so cool so great juicy. so technically what you're saying is that we're priming ourselves for journaling Yes. Yeah. So we're not just going, we're like doing either a grounding and orienting to then be in a space that the journaling is supportive or more useful, quote unquote, um, towards what we're trying to do. Yeah. Which is to really create a safe container for ourselves with ourselves, because these externalizing habits, codependency, perfectionism, and people pleasing leave us not trusting ourselves because Mm. how could we? We are worthless beings. Why would we trust ourselves, says this thought habit? Like, don't have your own back. Someone else has to have your back for your back to be even worth having. Yeah. I mean, right? I, I'm and not, so, I'm agreeing sarcastic. Totally. Yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's <laughs> the lie of these thought habits, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we get to build trust by creating the safety to look at ourselves with, and, and know that we're not going to beat ourselves up because we make that commitment too. Right. Like I am going to express my feelings, not just report the weather. And I'm going to be kind to myself about it. 
Mm, that's and an important little key to add. Huge. Yeah. It's huge because, you know, I encourage my clients to write out like, and then my partner did this and I hate them and I wish they would die and like, get it out of your body. It is hurting you when it's stuck in your body. Right? Especially if you're judging yourself for having that thought on top of it. There's an extra oh God, layer right? of I'm a horrible person because I think this and I've been thinking it nonstop for the last, you know, right? most of totally. our thoughts are repetitive. So you're, if you're having totally. that thought right now, you probably had it before. Right. And then if you're like us and you're like neck deep in the like wellness sort of world, then you judge yourself for judging yourself for judging yourself. Right. And so it's like, seriously. And then it's like shame squared. You're like, I have that thought. I wish they were dead. That is shameful. Oh shit. I shouldn't be like shaming myself. Oh God. Why am I shaming myself? I'm the worst for shaming myself. Oh, no, about I'm my doing shame. It again. And then I'm like quadrupling it. And we like, seriously, like, let me go get a shovel and dig the biggest psycho-emotional somatic hole possible. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Right? So we like pinky, in my work, we pinky promise with ourselves. Like, Mm -hmm. I will not shame me for being a human who has thoughts that aren't always nice. Like, that's fine. As long as I'm not like killing them in their sleep, that's not kind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about meditation practices, grounding yeah. practices, mm. mindfulness practices. Yeah. Um, what are some other antidotes either mm. that we can use for the nervous system itself or just as steps into observing our tendencies or right like starting to move into a different direction if we feel like we are that person that is codependent that wants everything to be perfect and that wants everybody to love them all the time yeah yeah so I feel like we can sort of break that question down into the nervous system part and what can we do when we're dysregulated yeah um and what do we do to begin to shift out of codependent thinking? Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's start with your favorite biohacks or whatever you want to call it for the nervous system. If you have a couple practices that you love to do Easy for yourself or that you teach, what yeah. could people do right now Beautiful. today if they're yeah. like, yeah, I'm stuck? Okay. So uh, if sympathetic activation anxiety, high sort of high adrenaline cortisol kind of energy is your norm. If you tend to worry, overthink, really ruminate and spin future trip or chew up the past over and over and over again, you tend to be activated in your nervous system. Some things that you can do to start to pause and slow that down are to remember that panic wants warmth. Panic wants a hug. Panic, and that's why thunder shirts, yeah, mm-hmm, those like mm-hmm. vests for weighted anxious blankets, dogs, yeah. weighted blankets, exactly. Yoga yeah. sandbags. Yeah, why those work. Panic wants warmth. It wants to be, okay, there's a fire in the cave. If I'm in the cave and there's a fire in the cave, then that means someone else is in the cave with me and the lions aren't coming where there's fire. It's all very basic when you slow it so down smart. and- Nerd it out. Thank you, darling. Um, so 
wrapping yourself in something warm, a warm shower, a warm bath. If we think back to our embryology, which I want to do, we remember that the same ectoderm, right? That the skin and the nervous system come from the same little kernel of embryo and then just stretch out. So we can interact with our skin as a way to calm our nervous system. So running warm water over your wrist or uh, decubital in the... Um, your elbow and the inside of your elbow, like where you would test a baby bottle, right? On your forearm, those, the vasculature, if you look at your arm, the veins are, they're right mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. to be warmed or cooled, right? And so uh, hot, you know, if you make a warm cup of tea and hold it in your hands, maybe gently don't burn yourself, uh, run it over your forearm, mm. right? But bring that warmth in. We can use things like lavender. So lavender works as a calcium channel blocker, uh, agonist. So it's going to do in a, in a like more chill way, but the same thing as a Xanax. What? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? As benzodiazepine drug, that's bananas. Right. Yeah. Um, and those drugs are linked with dementia, right? Not, not, not to, I mean, it's a great choice if it's the choice that that's available to you, but there's other options. So mm -hmm. lavender smelling it. I always keep a lavender roller in my bag and one in the car. Um, it can actually begin to calm the nervous system, doing things where you are orienting, exploring the texture of your clothing. Um, and remember that that, that anxious energy, that pent up energy, that sympathetic energy is movement. It's movement. It's uh, stuck movement potential. It wants to move. So putting your hands on the wall and pushing gently, mm. going for a walk, stretching, shaking, right? Shaking your body can let that energy out. Um, grasping the table in front of you while breathing. And then my favorite, and the folks um, getting the video will, will get to see this, doing something that orients you uh, to time and space. So take what I'm doing is I'm taking my hand and stretching it out in front of, in front of me. And then I'm touching my thumb to my first finger, counting one, middle finger, counting two, ring finger, three, pinky, four, backwards, pinky, four, three, mm. two, one, one, two, three, four. So what we're doing is we're calming the sympathetic nervous system, orienting this time and space, if you have time to count your fingers, you're not being imminently threatened. Come on now. Who's going to stop and count their fingers before the lion attack? You do that after. Let's be real. And so you let your nervous system know, your neurology, know, we're okay here, baby. Or it's like a false flag. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Right? I can come back into doing something this slow. Yeah. It also just reminds us to breathe in a, without trying to manipulate the breath, which that's a whole other conversation, right? And, and we won't even complicate things here. So those are some favorite things for anxiety. Often we can notice that our need to do these things comes along with the codependent thought, I don't matter. That other person's thoughts, their wants, their needs matter more than mine. I need to please them. I, what if someone thinks something bad about me? What if someone else doesn't like me? What if there's a disagreement? Oh my God, conflict? No, shove it down. Pretend you're okay. Pretend you're okay. Be okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. No, me, I'm just, my mouth is really dry because, you know, acetylcholine, but like, um, no, I'm fine. Right. So when do you need these practices and what are you thinking? When do you need these practices and who are you putting ahead of you? Mm. Who are you making more valuable in your short lifetime 
than you. Whose wants, whose needs, whose stories, whose stories about you and what are you seeking to protect? Because there's no lion attack here. Studies show that very few Americans are actually attacked by lions each year. So what are you making into a lion attack? Yeah. Someone else, you know, asking you to do something that you don't want to do is setting a boundary, a lion attack. It might be. That's okay. No shame, no guilt. It's just, it's your socialization, your conditioning, the stories you were taught to believe about yourself. It's okay. You're perfect. You're fine. Everything's great. And it's okay that you're imperfect and everything sucks. So next for a freeze. Shockingly, freeze wants cold. Freeze wants to be snapped out just a little bit, just gently. We don't want to move out of freeze too fast. It's not good for our nervous system. Nervous systems are slow, slow, slow things like a baby sloth. So you might sip on something cool. You might chew on a little piece of ice. Yeah, you might take some cool water and run it once again on your wrists, on your forearms. Yeah, take a cool shower, not a shocking cold shower. I am not into this cold shock thing. If you are a mammal who has never really faced stress, distress, and trauma, right? If you are a very privileged white cishet dude, then like, okay, you work it out with the cold shower. I'm not getting involved. But for me, my, this animal and my clients, no, no, no. We are gentle. Mm. We are firm. We are loving. We make change, but we are gentle while we do it. So a cool shower. Yeah. One of the things that happens in a freeze is we disassociate from time and space. We lose track of who we are, which is what our brain is trying to do, right? If the trauma, if the stress is so great that like it is way too scary to even think of fighting or flighting, then like, yo, check out. Good. Don't be, don't be here for this. It's that shocked look on everyone's face after the tsunami, right? When they're sitting against the wall of the hotel and they're like, what just happened? Yeah, it's the empty. Yeah, empty, gone. So gently turning your head and looking around the room, but like looking, like really taking in, there's a plant, there's a ceramic pig, there's that parking ticket I need to pay, there's the Hannaford's receipt, there's the light switch, there's the doorbell, like slowly name it, let yourself be here now. And then do those tools we talked about counting by color. And then Sometimes what we want is a brisking up energy. So from a freeze, I wouldn't encourage you to like sprint, but maybe to walk with like 1% more speed than you might during a stroll, right? Just start to brisk it up, brisk it up, right? And just sort of, it sounds like I'm saying brisket, which is delicious, but I'm not. Make it more brisk. Make it a little like bring a slight gentle activation energy. And for both, and you'll notice I use laughter very thoughtfully and purposely when I'm talking about this because just talking about these responses can be activating. So I don't use laughter as a distraction or a buffer against the feeling, but as a conscious distraction, as a way to give our nervous system a break and tap back in. It's called titration and pendulation, right? We titrate, bring in small amounts, pendulate, allow the body to go into the experience and come back, go in and come back, right? And this is key in all somatic work. 
And so when we're talking about how that freeze shows up in codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing, it's it's that I have no choice feeling, that I don't matter feeling. My opinion, it's, it's probably not even welcome here, and I'm probably too dumb anyway, and I'm probably going to mess it up. And it's just like, it's not worth it. It's not worth showing up as me. No one cares anyway kind of feeling, right? Mm-hmm. That like... Mm-hmm. Um, in Spanish, no doy más, right? I give no more. Like there's just nothing left to give. Me rindo. I just, I, I, I tap out. Like, okay, baby, we can watch the movie you want to watch. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Okay, whatever, mother. whatever you it's want. The, I, 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 I just, I can't. I can't, I can't. But like in that moment, you actually can't. And that's okay. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're passing through something. And so you get to use these tools to bring awareness, acceptance, and then take action to start to shift these habits, engaging your neuroplasticity, engaging the somatic experience of being you so you can start to live in a different way. So much good stuff. We've talked about the nervous system on this podcast many times already. We've talked about the nervous system in the gut already, like a full episode precise on that. Yeah. And I love that you're bringing new things. Like there's still Mm. so many things that people can do. And it's like the more tools that we have, the more we can find the one that really work for us and serve us according to where we are in the spectrum of our experience in that moment, in the situation, you know, depending on the context. I think it's so good to have many different options and Mm. things to experiment with and to explore and see how, what is our shift? What is our yeah. experience, you know, in relationship to our baseline? What happens when I do do this? What happens when I do this? Like it's all that, that self-study, that self-awareness is the beginning of all is what we talked about earlier. Like this is where we start, but we have to keep it along, you know, to find the best tools for us. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. I'm very grateful. You're, there was so much good stuff in here. There's so much I would love to talk about, but We're going to start to wrap it up slowly. Oh, darn it. I know. You're so fun. I know. (laughs) I want to ask you one last question. And it's about our intuition. Because that's something we haven't really talked about. But I feel it can connect really directly into that. And just wondering what you think is the importance of connecting to our intuition and learning to trust it. Cause we talked about self-trust, yeah. but more as like a consequence and a cost of the other behavior that we're losing it. But I feel like listeners might benefit hearing about intuition as a step yeah. To rebuilding yeah, yeah, yeah. or I don't know. I, I want to know what you I think about this. all this. I'm kind of just yeah. riffing. Thank here. you for asking this. No, it's such a great question. You know, I wildly lost touch with my intuition, you know, um, as a witch identified human, I, I very much lost touch with my intuition, with my discernment um, and instead went to what was an easier place of connection for me, which was my brain and my cognition and overthinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And because it was a way that my child self recognized I could attempt to keep me safe, attempt to control things by attempting to control the narrative around me. Yeah. So I became sort of my own spin doctor in my own life in a way. And, you know, my intuition, I would hear the voice 
So I used to do this thing in dating where if someone was into me, I was like, oh, okay, you can have me. And I wasn't choosing people. If someone chose me, then okay, great. Then I guess we're dating. But I wouldn't listen to my intuition because I was overriding it from that place of wanting to be liked and prioritizing wanting to be liked and accepted and validated versus mm, the discomfort, really, of listening into my truth. Mm. So I think that learning to hear that quiet gentle voice of our intuition is key to reclaiming our lives from codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing, right? So let's take people-pleasing. Someone uh, asks you to do something for them and your gut goes, no, but your training, your conditioning says, your brain says, I mean, sure, if you if you want me to, I mean, I guess I, I'm really busy right now, but like, if it's important to you, then I guess I'll do it. Like, I really don't have time and I'd rather not, but like, okay, yeah, of course I'll do it. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Because pleasing others, being codependent with them is more important than pleasing ourselves. Survival mechanism. Got it. Right? So... Coming back into our intuition is about recognizing that our inner truth is the most important one for, for our own selves. Yeah? Even in if it doesn't make sense mentally, even if you can't, you know, explain it intellectually. Especially. Right? I think that's when the hits are the most powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So really beginning to just check in with ourselves. So there's a, a mindfulness practice that I teach my clients that I think could be helpful here. Um, my clients have lost touch with their capacity, with the I mean, with decision-making, with knowing what they want and need because they've externalized it for so long. Mm -hmm. So we start with these really small quotidian things like in the morning, do you want coffee or tea? And so before you just reach for a cup of whatever you always have, mm. pausing, grounding, if that feels safe, orienting, if that feels safer, touching base with your body, whatever that looks like for where your nervous system's at, and actually asking yourself, actually pausing, right? Do I want coffee or tea today? Check in. And so I think that's a beautiful tool, not just for mindfulness, but for hearing that quiet voice. And then from there, also remembering our intuition is incapable of leading us astray. Mm. Our intuition always has our best everything at heart. Our intuition is never anxious because people, I hear this a lot. Like, how do I know if it's, if it's my anxiety or if it's my intuition? And I'm like, baby, if it's talking like that, that's anxiety right? That's not intuition. Intuition has in ner the nervous system where we talk about prosodic tone, right? The, the sing-song tone of a voice that makes you feel calm, at ease. Anxiety, worry, overthinking, codependency, perfectionism. This is either that monotone, you have to say yes, or he'll think badly of you. Or it's that anxious tone, it's that worry. There's a different tonality to it. So just mm -hmm. starting to not just feel into it, but actually listen. How does it sound, this voice? Mm. Right? Is that. this the voice of love? Because the voice of love is sweet and gentle, right? Like honey. Yeah, versus it the sounds love of like fear. honey. Very different. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right? Because even when your intuition is like, yo, girl, run. 
right? It's not a fear voice. It's a knowing voice. It's a love voice saying like, yo, you should be scared right now. Why? You're in a dark alley, you goose. Mm-hmm. Run. Mm-hmm. But it's calmly telling you to run. Does that make sense? Totally. It's firm. Yes. Right? Yet yeah. gentle in that tone. It's not like, oh my God, you need to run. It's like, <laughs> run. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, it's like exactly posed. It. And like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Such a great question. Oh, good. Well, anything else you'd like to add before we finish? If there's one thing you think I've like skipped or if there's one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave this conversation today, what would that be? As a former hospice nurse, life is way too short to live in patterns that you were taught to live in versus living your life the way that feeds you mind, body, and soul. The essential human task is to show up in our authenticity from our big open hearts. We are vessels of love, right? And and challenging shit happens in life. I'm not saying it doesn't, never out here saying it doesn't. But what I'm saying is that we can still choose to show up everywhere we can from our authenticity, to to fight oppression, to fight against injustice, to change the systems that surround us, and to also start at home, right? To, To connect in with our individual autonomous selves so we can live in mutuality, reciprocity, interdependence. There's no greater, there's no more essential human task than that. Hmm. Thank you so much. I, you've named your website already and I will put the link in the show notes. In the meantime, is that the best place for people to find you? Are you a social butterfly? Where do they go if they want to say hi or they might want to work with you? Yeah. So you can find me on social media at Victoria Albina Wellness. I give good gram. Um, my podcast is called Feminist Wellness. It is free, comes out every Thursday just for you. Um, and yeah, my website is, <clears throat> is victoriaalbina.com. You can learn more about Anchored, Overcoming Codependency, my six-month neuroscience-based somatic and thought work coaching program um, at victoriaalbina.com slash anchored. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today and all this, oh, yeah, just great conversation. I don't even have, I don't have the perfect words. I'm just going to, yeah, loved it. Yeah. Well, maybe the energy is, is perfect enough. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on IEG at On and Off Your Mat Podcast. Screenshot you listening to the episode with your takeaways. And visit withribbon.com slash you slash Erica Belanger to become a premium member of the podcast and get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library. Check out the show notes if you want to find more about our guest of today, Victoria Albina, or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making all of this possible, and that includes all our members. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.